if you brought your weapon with you, if you go with me to the first letter of John, there are three. The second chapter, I'll be bringing attention to a statement that John makes. We understand that John was there through the ministry of Jesus, watched him murdered on the cross, watched him be raised from the grave, was there in the upper room when Jesus came, uh, was boiled in oil for his relationship with Christ. It did not kill him. It freaked out the authorities. They, play, they placed him on the Isle of Patmos, which is a very gorgeous island, very tropical, and there God gave him the book of Revelation. We believe that John was caught up into the third heaven and actually experienced firsthand some of the things that we find that are going to come, some things that are transpired and taken past. If you've been watching the news, you will know that we are at the end of the end. There has never had been a generation quite like this one. It's not like history is repeating itself. It's like history is exceeding itself as we all rush towards something. We're not sure we, what we're rushing to, but I believe that we're rushing to the second coming of Christ. If you're a movie buff, and I won't spoil any movies for you, but if you're a movie buff, if you watch Thor or you watch uh, The Green Lantern or you watch Captain America, uh, there's one more I was thinking about, the X-Men First Class. If, 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 you're, if you're a movie buff, you will learn that Hollywood is getting us ready for a heavenly visit from a race from another planet. I believe it's strategic. I believe there's a reason why Hollywood is doing that. I think that sometimes the world is more familiar with our God and our prophecy than we are. I believe that Steven Spielberg has tapped in some things that are phenomenal. I believe that he actually believes that we are going to be visited from another planet and that millions of us are going to be kidnapped. How cool is that? And then, and then headline news and Fox News is going to try to explain the rest of the week where we went. And we're going to explain that we've been visiting from another planet, that we're all going to have to receive a mark to prove that we're human. How wild is that? Because this planet is going to come back and attack again, and therefore the enemy will be able to enter or introduce the concept of the mark of the beast. The Bible said in the right hand or forehead, and we know that today implants are being placed in many of our animals. It's in underneath their skin so they can be located most of you that have OnStar, your car can be located wherever you are, anywhere in the world. You can have them open your car if you lock your keys in. I mean, how cool, how cool would that be? They claim now that they can actually, they're building an OnStar system. They can tell if you're intoxicated before you could put your keys in the ignition. Look at somebody and say, Big Brother is watching us. And I'm not necessarily talking about Jesus. He's watching us too. The thought or theme that I would like to go with today is the idea of case dismissed. For lack of insufficient counsel. Case dismissed for lack of insufficient counsel. If you will look at 1 John, the second chapter, the very first verse, there's some revelations here. And again, I will not be lengthy. I believe I can illustrate my point early today. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Let me, let me read it again. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Is that in capital letters in your Bible? Is that a capital A? In the 
Greek translation of this particular writing, as most of the New Testament was written in Greek, the Greek translation of this word advocate is the word paraclete, where we get the word Holy Spirit. We've been looking at Holy Spirit the past couple of weeks as we have learned that where two or three gather in his name, there he is in the midst of them. We've learned that if you've got the Holy Spirit agreeing and got Jesus agreeing and you got the Father agreeing, you got the power of agreement working in your life that whatsoever you bind in earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose in earth is loose in heaven. I know this is very familiar territory for most of us. We talked last week about how to survive an anaconda attack, and we learned that if you are going to be a survivor in the wilderness, there's some things you need to have. I don't know that I would encourage this uh, color knapsack, especially if you ate any drugs in the 70s. This could attack you in the middle of the night. But in this knapsack, if you are going to survive, there's there are three things that I brought to your attention that we needed. I'll go with the last first. The last thing you need in your survival kit is a flare gun. This gun has the ability to shoot a flare about 300 feet straight up in the air. 90% of those that shoot the flare gun are not found because they don't stay where they shoot the gun. They shoot the gun, then they wander off four or five miles, and when people go to where the flare gun was seen, they're not there. This is so easy that a 10-year-old can operate this. It's so easy that Brian can even operate this. As last week, we fired all three bullets. They shot all my bullets. They broke my... Anyway, there's something about the ability to call out to God, no matter what condition or situation, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The word says, bless the Lord, O my soul and all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like an eagle. Thank God for the ability to pray. In the Old Testament, once a year, one man would go beyond the veil, stand in the presence of God, feel his glory, feel his power, know his love. Everyone else stood on the outside and, and wondered what it was like to be in God's presence. But when Jesus went to Calvary, he said, it is finished. There was an earthquake that rent the veil from the top to the bottom that, that tore down the wall that separated God from man. And now do you know what we can do any time of the day, any day of the week, because of the blood, we can go beyond the veil, step in his presence, hear his voice, know his glory, feel his love, hear his word, and, and grow and become what he wants us to be. Does that in, in, excite anybody in the place today? We don't have to go to a Roman Catholic priest, or we don't have to go to a Venice church to touch God. We can touch him anywhere we call upon his name. No matter how lost you may feel you are, no matter where you are in life, no matter what kind of tragedy or drama that you're going through, let me tell you something. There's a lot of drama going on in life. This past week, there's been a lot of drama going on in some of my renters, and the police have called, walked the woods with flashlights, looking for a would-be stalker. I mean, it's been a very interesting week. I don't know how you feel about getting a text at 2.38 in the morning telling me that there's a stalker on the prowl. Well, I get that kind of text. I arm myself and go and look for the stalker. Who's there with me? Who's there? there we got, you all go to jail with me because it's illegal to walk around the woods with a loaded gun. That's just illegal. But there's a lot of drama. We've got someone that the transmission fell out of their Hummer. That's about a $3,000 window. We have someone today that they've lost their home and the, and the, 
the, the insurance company is not going to award them enough money to build another house. That is a drama. We got some people today that, that are going through a, they, they feel like they're going to go through a divorce. They, they try to work things out. They can't work things out. They're, they're living in the same house, two people, strangers in the same house. I got a text this week that, that said the marriage is over. As long as they're talking, the marriage is not over. Hello. There's some things we can do. There are some of us in our life, we have kids, family, loved ones, bound by drugs, in trouble. They're, they've hawked everything they've got. they lost everything they've got. And, and, and we're trying to help them get set free. Can anybody relate? we got people planning on getting married. we got people planning on having children. Listen, if, you don't, if you've never had drama in your life, birth a child. I'm telling you, it will, it will rock your world. It'll change your life. It'll change your opinion about everything. You, you realize you're not a know-it-all. Your child is. <laughs> Uh, just a thought, just a possibility. So there's all kinds of drama going on. But God said, call upon me no matter where you are. You can be in a valley. You can be in a slump. You can be in a desert. You can be a dark place. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you, you're there. David said, if I hide in a cave in the mountain, you're there. No matter where you are when you call upon God, you might be flipping hamburgers at McDonald's or you might be seating people at O'Charlie's. No matter what your job is, God will come to where you're at and he will hear your prayer and he will honor the things that you ask because that's what God does. That excite anybody today? The second thing that we learned today that we need in our backpack, we desperately need a map. This is a map of Chattanooga. I have on several occasions, I'm trying to think about one of the buildings that I, I, I map quested. Navigator, map quest gets it wrong every once in a while. How many can relate? You followed the directions exactly the way it said, and, and you couldn't get there. Anybody on map quest? On map quest. That's why you need a detailed map to tell you where you're going. Guys will not ask for directions. We're too macho. We're too smart. We're too cool. We know we know how to operate. We need to we know how to find. Come on. Anybody? Two years ago I got so lost in a swamp in South Georgia. I mean it was it was it was dark. I got I got walking through marsh. I got spider webs coming at night. How many has ever walked through a spider web at night and a big spider about the size of a tangerine crawled down the side of your face and went down your shirt and you couldn't can anybody relate? I mean, I mean, it, it was a scary, tough place to be. And I took, I was hunting that particular, I was hunting with, I was hunting a, a coyote. I had a shotgun. I shot it in the, I shot the shotgun in the air. I stayed where I was. I just kind of chilled out, started praying in tongues, asking God, don't let an alligator eat me because alligators were there. And sure enough, here comes a, here comes a headlight. Here comes a four-wheeler. Here comes Tim Sally. I looked at him. I said, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd find me. See, you've got to have that kind of relationship with God. You've got to know that he'll come. You've got to know that he'll find you. Someone said, well, I found God when I was 17. Let me tell you something. God's not lost. God's not lost. We are the ones that are lost, and we're the ones that need to find our way back home to the Father. The prodigal son said, I'm tired of pig slop. I'm tired of this life I've chosen. I'm tired of my environment. I'm tired of what I'm going through. Uh, Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and the people I'm hanging around with, their, their verbiage is out of order. There's a place to get back to. There's a place to find. There's a secret place of the Most High where God will find us, meet with us, and he will converse with us in our terminology. Aren't you glad that God does not speak King James? Aren't you glad that God's not detailed and, and so intellectual that we can't reach and we can't find him? But whosoever called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The first thing I brought to your attention yesterday is the one little thing that I want to focus on today 
is if you're going to be in, in the wilderness, you better have a pink ramp water bottle. If you don't have a pink ramp water bottle, you're not cool. This is a cool water bottle to take with you. Uh, pretty pretty much a buzzer, probably not a tactician or an eagle. You're safe with this, bo this bottle. And if you're a guy, you just let the world know you're metrosexual. You're in touch with your feminine nature. You wear pink shoes. You wear, got a pink water bottle. You're styling and profile it. Let me say something, if I may, a little bit about, about, about water. Jesus made the declaration in John 16 that we are to take no thought of what we are to say. Because the Holy Spirit will bring all things to our attention. Jesus said, out of our belly shall run rivers of living water. The point that I want to make today is that you cannot ask Jesus into your heart and God and Holy Spirit not also join them. Let me, let me say it again. It's, it's impossible this morning for us to identify with Trinity unless we can relate to Trinity. In my hand, I show you a perfect example of the Trinity. The outside of this egg represents your flesh, your soma, your physical container. This also represents Jesus Christ. When you crack this egg, inside this egg is yolk. How many will take my word for it? There really is a yolk here. That represents God. That represents the very core of creation. The white represents Holy Spirit. It represents the water or the living water that God said he wants us to have. And I will use this map as a napkin to wipe off the yolk off my hand. If you would like to drink this egg, you may later. I hate to waste it so you can come drink it later, those of you that are, that are bodybuilders. There is something that God wants to do with you, and he doesn't just want to fill you with his spirit, but he wants to overwhelm you and overflow you with this spirit. Please don't try this at home. I am a qualified water pourer, and uh, I've done this many times on many occasions, so this is safe. This represents you. Okay, God wants you to be full of his spirit. See, this is full. It's full, see? But there are times in your life when God will place you in an environment that is void. Watch this. Without hope, without joy, without love, without direction, without goal, without destiny, without agenda, it's, it's, it's a void place. It's a lost place. It might be your job. It might be your marriage. It might be your business. It might be your family. It might be your best friend. It might be a son. It might be a daughter. But there's no light there. It's empty and it's barren. God wants to place you right in the middle of that empty. You better submit, lid. There we go. Submitting lid. In that barren. And then God wants to take of himself. And God wants to pour himself out of, out of himself upon you so that you're overflowing and you actually affect the environment you're in. How many realize that this water bottle has now affected the environment it's in? How many realize that now this water bottle, this, this empty place is no longer empty? This empty place has substance. It has countenance. It has the presence and the favor and the blessing of God. And guess how it got there? You brought it there. I believe sometimes, I believe sometimes pastors... And, 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 and spiritual leaders are appalled, like, I guess that's a good word, or we're confused or we're trying to understand why people don't use the power that is afforded to them. I mean, it, so many times we try to do things on our own. Can anybody relate? And when God gives you the Holy Spirit, he gives you all the gifts that go with the Spirit, 
all the fruits that go with the Spirit. Matter of fact, you cannot accept Christ as your Savior without operating in the gifts of the Spirit. What's the first gift of the Spirit? It's the word of knowledge. Somehow someone told you about Christ. That's knowledge. The second gift is a, is a word of understanding, of the word of discernment. So wisdom. So you're smart enough to take the word that you got and accept Christ as your Savior. Then there's a gift of miracles for you to actually believe that you're never going to die, that you're going to live forever in heaven with God. That's a miracle. Then the gift of healing for you to know that your old things in your life can be healed and restored. You can walk in the favor of God. So you've got all of the gifts operating in you when you accepted Christ and you just have it touched into them or tapped into them. There's stuff in your life. Look at somebody. There's stuff in my life that needs to be edited. There's stuff that needs to be changed. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. There's stuff in my life that I need to focus on. And what is so cool, God has given us the Holy Spirit to do that. He's given us, oh, we're fine. No, we're fine. We're fine. No, we're fine. Trust me. Here's what happens. God gives us the power to change things in our life, but most of us are trying to change things like this. How many knows that sooner or later you will probably be able to cut this wood in half? But if you were plugged into... Paul, now's your time to shine. Give Paul a hand. Now, I have no clue how the power... I kind of know that all the wires in this building somehow goes to some box over here in the closet, and that in that box somehow there's a there's an underground thing that goes to the road. I know because I dug it 21 years ago with with the backhoe. So the, from the box to the road, there's this there's this there's this thing that's got power in it, and somehow it ties into the city. I don't know how the city gets all that power there. All I know is that when it's dark, if I turn the lights on, hello. The light comes on. You don't have to understand everything there is to know about God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus to walk and to operate in things that he has. The stuff in your life that he wants to cut out, watch this. God is good. God can do it. Here's the point I want to make today. Are you ready? Case dismissed. Lack of sufficient counsel. If you're watching the news... You're watching a case that's about 16 days in court, an event that took place three years ago. A little two-year-old girl by the name of Casey Anthony turned up missing. For a month, her mom told family that she was in the state staying with friends. Then her mom told family that the babysitter took the baby and never came back. Then the mom told the family that someone had kidnapped the little girl. An all-out search, months, three months, 90 days, all-out search. The remains of this little three-year-old girl was found in a black trash bag with duct tape wrapped around it. If you've been watching this prosecution, there is a district attorney who is well qualified to pursue this case. And at this very moment, they are proving that there are bugs in the trunk of this car that only show up around decaying flesh of five days or more. They're proving that there are maggots in the trunk of this car to prove that something died in this trunk and was there more than a week. 
day after day, they're going to lay out accusation. They're going to try to produce evidence, and they're going to try to prove to a jury of 12 that this young lady, so much wanting to party, either medicated her daughter and she overdosed and died, or she purposely and willfully took the life of her three-year-old daughter so she could play, and they have asked for the death penalty. As you're watching the evidence being laid out, the way they present it is as if there is no, there is no way that this is not what happened. There's, there's, when, when you watch the evidence, it, it convinces you that, that this really took place. The accuser of the brethren is very good at convincing you that he's right. The accuser of the brethren, if he can, will try his best to run down your character, your personality, your integrity, everything that God has and likes about you. If the enemy can, he is constantly before the throne of God, running us down as the accuser of our brethren. He's producing evidence he found in the archives of our history. He's finding our diaries. He's finding our journals. He's finding people we used to party with. He's finding people we used to buy drugs from. He's finding pe people that we cheated, that we frauded. And he getting, he's collecting all this evidence. He's collecting all of this material. And he's going before the judge of eternity to try to destroy you and to take you out. That's his purpose. It's not to take you down. It's to take you out. You and I do not have the funds to hire an attorney that would be effective enough against the accuser of the brethren. There is no amount of money. There's no lawyer upon the face of the earth can stand in the presence of the courtroom of God and defend you. So, a, so an attorney, because we cannot afford one, a public defend, defender has been appointed to you and I. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 15 that he ever liveth at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. I'm here to tell you that in heaven, you have an attorney. His name is Jesus Christ, and every day he stands in the presence of God, and he declares your case. He declares your innocence. He declares your validity. And when the devil comes before God and tries to bring evidence against us, my attorney, Jesus, has the right to examine any evidence presented against me. So my attorney, Jesus, looks towards the throne room and Ask the judge, your honor, may I look at the evidence? And reluctantly, the, the prosecutor has to give the evidence to my lawyer. And when my lawyer takes all of the diaries, all of the journals, all of the wrong things I did, all of the sin, all the garbage of my life, he takes it and he holds it next to his breast because the Bible says there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's fame. And when he gets all that evidence and he gives it back to the, the judge, my God in heaven looks at the evidence and said, devil, I don't know what you're trying to pull. I don't know what you're trying to pull off. But all of this evidence is inadmissible because it's covered by the blood. I'm here to tell you today that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. No accurate. You're awful quiet. Don't make me shout for myself now. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Covered by the blood of Jesus. A lawyer in heaven representing us. I got some even better news than that. We have a dream team. Several years ago, many of you might be too young to remember the case of O.J. Simpson. Nicole, I believe her name was Anna Smith. Is that right, Nicole? Anna Smith? Anna Brown? Nicole Brown? Uh, Nicole Brown, a friend of hers, was found murdered, slashed to death with a knife. And all of a sudden, you found people like Johnny Cochran, Kardashian, F. Lee Bailey, and who's the big guy? 
Frazier. No, not Bailey, the other guy. Yeah, Robert Shapiro. Watch this dream team. Robert Shapiro, Johnny Cochran, Kardashian, F. Lee Bailey, and about seven or eight paralegals. And guess what, guys? He probably did it. He probably did murder his, his wife and, and her friend. He, pro he probably did it. But his, his defense team was so phenomenal that everything rested on the fact of a glove. One single glove. And if you don't think about the case, inside the glove was a liner to make sure the evidence of the glove was not destroyed or lost. And so they took a glove with a liner in it and, and attempted to put it on O.J. Simpson's hand. And if you were there, you remember the glove didn't fit. You remember? The glove didn't fit. And because the glove didn't fit, he was, he, he was expunged. He was released. He later lost in a, in a, in a, civil, a civil suit of millions of dollars he lost. But a, a criminal court determined O.J. Simpson innocent. Why? Because he had the best defense team that money could buy. That's called a dream team. Not only do you have a lawyer in heaven interceding for you, but you have a lawyer on earth called the Holy Ghost that every day he is interceding on your behalf. The Bible says we cannot help the feelings of infirmities. We pray, and all of a sudden, Holy Spirit starts praying through us with moanings and groanings which cannot be uttered. And when he prays, Jesus comes on the scene, God comes on the scene, and every accusation that is against us is expunged because of our lawyer here on earth. Let me tell you about your lawyer here on earth. I'll conclude with this. Deuteronomy 32, 32. God is fed up with this nation that has left Egypt and has gone into the wilderness. He's fed up. They've complained about the food. They've complained about the water. They've complained about Moses' leadership. They've built a golden calf. They've done all kinds of stupid things. And God is at a place right now where he makes the statement, I am going to wipe them all out. And Moses, you're the only one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start all over. Another generation, I'm going to start with you. I'm, I'm, I love you. I care about you. You're my son. You honor me with the rest of this nation. I'm going to trash them. That's what God said in Deuteronomy 32. So Moses goes to God, and Moses begins to pray. Can you guys pull that up in King James Version, Deuteronomy 32, 32? Moses goes to God, and Moses begins to pray. And this is what you need to know. In documentation, when they took the Hebrew and the Septuagint, and they took this portion of the Bible they found in the Qumran caves, when they came across this translation, as they were translating the writings of Moses, they came across 15 pages of a language they could not interpret. Are you with me? No known, no known language then or now, no dialect, no, no language had ever been determined. So what they did was, instead of putting their 15 pages of uninterpretable uh, language, they did a slash a semicolon. I believe the guys are going to show it. This is the only place you'll find this occur in the Bible. This is the only punctuation. It has a slash, a semicolon. Here's what Moses is going to pray. God, I pray, blot out there. Do we have it? There we go. Watch this. Okay, are you sure? I'm sorry. Um, let's go to Exodus. 
That's a good, that's, I could preach on that. Are you ready? <laughs> as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Let's go 22. Let's go. Uh, there you go. Watch this now. God tells Moses in verse 31, I'm going to trash him. I'm going to wipe him out. Watch what Moses prays. Yet now if thou forgive their sin, slash semicolon, 15 pages of a, of a vernacular of a language we've never interpreted, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Moses lays down his life, gives up an opportunity to be the father of a new generation. Moses intercedes for the people, I believe, in a language that the angels of heaven worship God in, a heavenly language, and whatever Moses said to God, it changed the mind of God. We have the ability to change the mind of God. I believe that we are we are in a place right now in our life. First John 2 and 1 says that we have a paraclete, we have an advocate with the Father, we have attorney here on earth that represents us. But how long has it been since we've asked Holy Spirit to help us in some of the areas of our life? When's the last time we helped Holy Spirit to bless our marriage? When's the last time we asked Holy Spirit to, to bless our job, to bless our church, to bless our family? When's the last time we actually asked Holy Spirit something and then stepped back and waited for him to do it? When's the last time we operated in the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, all that God has for you, all that God wants to do to a dead, dry, dying world? You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. If you don't get their attention, if God does not shine through you with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, they're probably not going to get it. Say that again. Their purpose, no, the other thing. The purpose of the church is not for us to come every Sunday morning and have our little spiritual enablers tickled and blessed. The purpose of the church is not for us to come, dress up, wear nice clothes, smell good, shake one of those hands, carry our Sunday morning Bible, sit in our Sunday morning seat with a Sunday morning smile, and then we leave the church we do our own thing. That's not the purpose of the church. This city, this city is dying and going to hell. This city is bored out of their mind. If you don't think this city is bored, go on Facebook about 9 or 10 o'clock and look what 15, 16-year-olds are saying. I'm bored. Text me. Wish I had something to do. If the enemy has his way, he'll put those young people in a scenario that will hurt them, that will wound them, that will cost them their virginity, that will get them hooked on drugs, that will get them hooked on alcohol. But we, the church, have got to offer the world something better than what the devil is offering and we have christ in us the hope of glory to be that light but can i tell you what the enemy wants to do he wants to keep you so stressed out in your drama i mean we've got pastor ron and i we got drama right now in our life we've got drama every family has drama every marriage has drama every every family has drama listen right now there's not enough coming in to pay what needs to go out can anybody relate you can't send out more than what's coming in so you budget you plan and and, and then and then i go buy a new rod and reel and pastor Ronald says well we probably couldn't afford that rod and reel you go ahead and keep it don't you love an attitude like that there's never been a season like this in the history of it. Don't you, isn't that a great Honey, I went to Walmart to get you some, whatever I went to get, couldn't find it. But look at this new run. It's on sale, baby. $300 on sale for 200 bucks. Look what I did. And she looks at me and goes, <laughs> how can we make a difference? Watching the life of a new convert the past couple of weeks, 
who has opened himself up for God to do something, I believe there's got to be a willingness, first of all, to make our water bo bottle available to God. Does that help? I think, I think we don't have to clean ourselves up. We just got to make ourselves available. Let me tell you what God does not need. Ability. He does not need you interfering with his plan. He does not need you come on the scene and thinking you're all that in a bag of chips and you can do it your way. Elba showed us he couldn't do it his way. My preaching to the choir. So it's not about ability. It's not the one that runs the swiftest. It's not the one that shines the brightest. It's the one that endures. It's the one that lays himself on the altar and stays there. Do you know why there were horns on the altar? Because some of the animals didn't like the idea of having their throat slit. Can anybody relate? And they were brought in. Some animals hate the smell of blood. If you harvest a deer in the wood and you go back the next day and climb that same tree stand and you watch deer coming in that path, 100 yards away, they'll stop. They smell. They know, they know something bad happened there and they'll go the other way. A lot, a lot of people don't want to stay on the altar because it acknowledges, I don't have the answers. I don't have the plan. I don't have the direction. I don't have the finances. God, I'm not leaving here until what? What did, what did Jacob say? I'm not leaving here until, first of all, you let me know your name. See, if we, if we just operate the names of God and stay in a place where, God, it's not about me, my wisdom, my decision, it's about you. And God, I believe God will answer that prayer. I, I believe that God will reveal himself to you as he needs to so we can walk what God wants us to have. Listen, let's deal with the drama. Let's address it. Let's fix it. This past week, I simply told some people, no more drama. Solve the problem or find another place to live. Okay. I mean, you, you've got to confront the drama in your life and say, listen, you're not welcome here. You're not welcome to take up residence here. You're not welcome to live here. God's word has the plan to eliminate any drama. Come on, I need some, I need some help here. God's word has the, the plan to eliminate any drama in your life, and that's why we have the map. We have the ability to call upon him if we need help. That's why we have the flare gun. And we have the word of God that leads us right to him. How many knows God will tell you what he has for you in his word? Rick, God is hiding something, not from you, but for you. And in this, somewhere, in this, somewhere in this book is the purpose and plan that he has for your life. He knows the devil cannot read this book and decipher it correctly. The devil was the first one to quote the word of God, very first one, and he misquoted it. Hath God said, thou shalt not. No, God didn't say that. God said, just don't mess, do whatever you want, just don't mess with this tree. When he went to Jesus on the high sepulcher, he said, man shall not live by bread. In other words, everything the devil quoted to Jesus was a misunderstanding. The devil cannot read this book and understand God's plan for your life. The devil cannot read this book and come up with a counter plan to stop you and hinder you. He can't touch this book. This book is sacred. This book is holy. And the plan for Rick's life is hidden in this book. It's in there not to hide it from you but for you, that you can go through the Word and say, that's exactly where I'm at right now. That's exactly what I need in my life. That's what, And then you take ownership of what God has given you. You start saying what it says. You start doing what it does. You start speaking what it speaks, and then you start expecting. I will conclude with this illustration. This year, I did something completely different in my garden. Last year, there was so much, there was so much 
heat that I lost half of my perennials. So this year I went and put some, some good dirt down, some good topsoil, some good nature's helper, and then I sowed about 20 pounds of, of wildflowers. I said, I'm not going to spend a bunch of money on perennials. I'm going to plant wildflowers. Well, what was so sad, I don't know the difference between a wildflower and a weed. So I just let everything grow. I have today in my garden a weed over eight foot tall. I mean, it's a good looking weed. It's, it looks good. It's healthy. I've watered it. I put miracle Grow on it. Am I helping anybody? And then I went to a place where I always go to in my garden, and I always plant sunflower seeds. Always plant them. Went, look, no sprout, no sprout. About four weeks in a row, I went. Paul will tell you, we planted a certain spot. And I told Paul, I go, something happened to sunflower seeds. Maybe some squirrel came and dug them up and ate them. I don't know what happened to them. But today, I have six plants about this tall with sunflower seeds about this big. And I'm so romantic, I always plant them and aim them right toward Pastor Rhonda's kitchen window. So when she gets up in the morning to cook me breakfast and to wash my clothes and stuff, she sees those, those sunflowers that I planted. It reminds her of, of my love and affection for her. You plant in the right soil, you water it, and then you give it some time. It's going to grow going to manifest it's going to show up don't say well i've been in this rut for 20 years doing you know a rut is anybody a grave with both ends knocked out it's just, it's a place where you're stuck you can't you can't well I, i've been i've been believing god for this i've been believing god for that i've been you know what you might be right on the eve of your greatest gift right on the eve of your greatest revelation right on the eve of your greatest moment don't abort or abandon what god has given you Stay faithful to what God is saying. And you know what? You need to know what God is saying. It wouldn't hurt to open the book once in a while and kind of, you know, just kind of read through it and see what stuff's saying and start operating in some of it. And you'll be amazed at the little things you start doing, the, 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 what it will produce, and it will make you more intense to love and pursue the things of God. Father, we thank you for this season together. We thank you for this moment. A few minutes before 12 on this beautiful June Sunday morning. We thank you, Lord, for what you have brought us through and where you've brought us to. We thank you, Lord, that we have trust in you, that tomorrow we know that you, you've already overcome our fears, you've over, overcome our giants, you've given us the tools and the weapons to defend ourselves and to aggressively attack the gates of hell. The gates are the weakest part, and you said upon this rock you'll build your church that even the gates of hell can withstand. So we attack the, the onslaught of the enemy. We stand in the gap. We make up the hedge. We declare that this is going to be a different summer. This is going to be a different season in our life. This is not going to be a season full of drama. This is going to be a season full of solution. That we're going to see you with the widow's oil and, and meal. We're going to see you produce and see you provide. We're going to, we're going to see you, Lord, walk us through. what it, The government does not have our answer. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. It's not Mr. Obama. It's not Ms. Sarah Palin. Our 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 future does not rest upon one or two people. Our future rests upon the trust that we put in you and the faithfulness that we operate in walking your word. We seal that today. It's a done deal. We plug into the power. We, we take this ability you've given us. We water the earth. We're a light in a dark place. We accept that in Jesus' name. We accept that in Jesus' name. You love the Lord this morning.